0: I do really well um, kind of mapping out and being the captain of my own future. And it is hard. I mean, it takes work, but, you know, what's I think really hard is being broke. And I've been broke and it sucks. <laughs> it's really hard, you know, just to be flat out broke and not be able to live the life you want to live. And why I'm doing this and, you know, busting my tail to to put everything in order here is so that, you know, I can do what I want, with who I want, relatively when I want, and enjoy the life that, that I really see for my future.
1: You found the Real Estate Law Podcast, because real estate is more than just pretty pictures and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. If you're a real estate professional or looking to build real estate expertise, then welcome to the conversation and discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com.
2: Welcome to the Real Estate Law Podcast. I'm Jason Muth, your host once again. I'm here with Rory Gill, uh, attorney broker with Next Home Title Town Real Estate and Urban Village Legal in Boston, Massachusetts. Howdy, Rory. Hey, Jason. Having a good day, I hope.
3: Having a good day. I'm excited for this conversation too with Ken.
2: Yeah, we have an amazing guest this week. Ken Wimberly is an entrepreneur. Uh, He has 15 different income streams from lots of different ways that he's making a ton of money, and we can't wait to hear uh, about some of them today. And we're going to learn more about the why, you know, not just what are you doing and where's the income coming from, and, you know, you have all these different projects going on, whether it's commercial or residential or an app that he's working on as well, but we want to dig into, you know, kind of the story underneath that, what having that diversified income allows him to do and allows him to live the life that he wants to live. So Ken, welcome to the podcast. Jason Roy,
0: thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
2: So Ken Ken was just telling us off camera that he just returned from the GoBundance event and we were just chit-chatting about how we have to get ourselves out to one of those one day. And if you don't mind my asking, you know, tell us like, you've been doing this for eight years, right?
0: Yeah. My first event was Tahoe in 2015 so January 2015 And I joined Go abundance shortly after that as a member and you know I've watched a pretty incredible growth journey for Go I think we just over 100 members when I joined and today there's north of 600 and and growing rapidly and it's been a great fit for me these conferences uh as we we're talking offline they're always a little uncomfortable for me as i'm a bit of an introvert i don't love going around a bunch of people i don't know after eight years i know more and more people but there's still always new people and but they're run and facilitated so well they do a great job of kind of indoctrinating people with each other mm-hmm. of breaking down barriers of kind of fostering relationships and creating common bonds so it's it's been a great fit for me
2: is it always in tahoe
0: no this one was actually in park city utah so there's uh historically there 's been always a winter event at some ski destination, and then they start layering in a summer event as well and that 's bounced around a few different places and like this year though, as they continue to grow, there are probably no less than fifteen different events that are happening a couple international um, some couples some families there's there 's just kind of different types of trips for whatever your interest would be. Now, the the winter event and the summer event are the two big ones. There's you know, several hundred people at each of those events. Uh, but a lot of these others are, you know, maybe a dozen or two dozen people at them. So they're pretty intimate events. You can really get to know each other well and really get to kind of learn from each other and, and bond with new friendships.
2: Those events that now you were an entrepreneur uh, and you've been in the real estate space for many years prior to going to GoBundance. You know, I'd love to hear about your journey, kind of where things started, and you could kind of take us through maybe, you know, wanting to increase your network and attend events like that. You said you're a natural introvert, which, uh, you know, is very surprising to hear because uh, it doesn't seem that way right now, but, uh, you know, we are who we are, and, you know, attending networking events is something that Rory and I are, are big proponents of. We don't do as much of it now with the COVID world and with a little toddler in the house, but we're, we're trying to get back to it. And we approach him in different ways. I'm the extrovert, he's the introvert, you know, and we all seem to get out of him, you know, a decent amount of information. But take us through your story. Tell us, Ken, like, you know, who are you? You know, how would you get started down this path? And how did real estate kind of help uh, facilitate the world that you're living in today?
0: Sure. Yeah, I guess my entrepreneurial journey started initially with opened up a pizza restaurant. A few years out of college, right out of college, I was, I joined the Navy in college and then got out of the Navy, finished up college and then worked as in the insurance and investment field for a few years and as an employee and you know, while doing that, I had worked as a pizza delivery driver in college at this restaurant that had phenomenal food and had kind of toyed with the idea of opening up one of those restaurants, had been in, in contact with the, the founders, the owners of that restaurant. Eventually, my buddy and I, from uh, one of my Navy buddies, and I decided we were going to open up a Parade's Pizza. And we we're going to license the name, use the recipes, open it up. Our, our plan was to open up five locations and kind of refine systems and then help the, the family to create a franchise plan and, and take it out national was our plan. And, but uh, reality was we didn't know shit. <laughs> and we were we were young with ideas, which is sometimes, yeah, it's a great place to start. But what I didn't have back then, some of the things I do now, I didn't have mentors. I didn't have coaches. I didn't have like guidance from people who had been there and done that. And nor was I seeking that kind of thing back then. I look at that point in my life as, as a point of lots of hubris and like, oh, I got it. Like, like my 17-year-old's now, I got it. You know, I know it all, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is not always the case. And uh, so, we made a lot of mistakes in opening up that restaurant. We ended up filing Chapter Seven bankruptcy, the real low point in in my life, in our lives. And it did at least get me out there swinging the bat, out there mm-hmm. doing it. And so, from that, I stayed in the restaurant business for a year, and you know that was just a grind as a general manager of another restaurant. And eventually, it was. Eight months pregnant, or my wife was eight months pregnant with her first child, and I was like, I cannot be in this line of work with a new baby. I'll never see my child, and so I ended up from there launching my real estate career into the the, the commercial real estate space, and so got involved as uh, with the small family partnership. Work as a, as an agent for them, eventually became a, a partner with them, and then from there went on to kind of launch my own brokerage, and then get involved with some others and. I guess eventually 2009, joined up with the Kel Williams organization, got kind of recruited into that, which actually at the time I had no interest in getting involved with Kel Williams. I was a commercial estate broker and I saw them as as strictly a residential group. But uh, the guy that brought me in was very um, persistent and uh, used some backdoor channels to get to people that were influential in my life to get me in. And uh, boy, what a great thing. And I'm, I'm grateful that person is now one of my very best friends in the world our families travel the world together and uh, we we've, we've built business together and it's been really really great the great thing about kw is it was at kw that kind of opened my mind to coaching that plugged me in with personal mentors that helped me to learn how to build a business and not just a job right there so there was so much that i learned through that and so that i hired my first business coach uh through kw and then later became a coach myself, and, but I've always, since that time, had a coach or coaches in my world and mentors that I've seeked out actively to help me. And it's crazy that when you actually reach out to people and try to connect with them, oftentimes people are really, really generous with their time, with their knowledge, especially if they see that you're, you're truly eager for their knowledge and not just as a, as a zap or a time suck on them.
2: It just never ceases to amaze me how often coaching comes up on our podcast and how important it is to have mentors and people that have come before. And people really do seem generous with their time. Um, I mean, like, can't imagine there's a single field that somebody's going to want to, like, keep all the information to themselves. Uh, I I think it's a bit of ego involved, right? Like, you know, mentors do like, they they like talking about themselves and the work they've done. and, And sometimes the mentees can... Uh, can benefit from that because a lot of times somebody, yeah, if somebody who likes to talk about themselves and their work and that's what happens at all these real estate networking events and financial freedom events that we've been to, I I bet GoBundance is is no different. There's probably a lot of people that they got to where they are because uh, they're not shy.
0: The great thing about GoBundance is not only that, there is just amazing amount of authenticity and transparency in the group. So, It's not like people are up there, I'm so great because I've got this net worth or I've got these businesses or I've got these. It's quite the opposite. It's, yeah, I've been able to accomplish this and I've got all this baggage or I've got these issues or I'm struggling with this part of my world. What's really, really cool, there may be, of the three of us, right, one of us may be really, really excelling in health and wellness. One of us may be really excelling in their financial part, one in their contribution, giving back to the world. And the three of us can get together and really help each other in those areas that we're excelling in and we can lift each other up. And so that's the cool thing about GoBundance is there's now hundreds of members and are there to help each other uh, to kind of get beyond the obstacles that are in front of them right there and kind of get to the next level of their lives. And it's interesting, GoBundance Someone was just asked me today you know, how I found it. And It was weird because I've been into adventure races since like 2012. I've done 11 Tough Mudders and some Spartans and some other crazy stuff. And I actually saw a guy on Facebook a bunch of years ago. I 2014 and he had posted about doing a Spartan race. And I commented on Facebook. I was like, hey, jerk, how about, mm-hmm. you know, I love those things. You didn't even invite me to that. And he's like, oh my God. He said, uh, I did it with this group of guys. At, and it was some GoBundance guys. He said, you got to come join this group. They'd be right up your alley. That's kind of what brought me into the fold
2: yeah. it's
3: striking to note the um, the depth of your mentoring network that you have now in contrast to what it was when you d- entered in your first venture with the the pizza chain and you know what the outcomes are the different outcomes there um, you know did you embrace mentorship because of your experience with um, without having mentors when you had your first endeavor?
0: Yeah, I, for sure. There was some of that to it. And the other, I think, is I started to get a little bit older. I started to realize what I didn't know. It, it really started to show up. You, I, I thought I knew so much when I was younger. And now I know how, how little I actually know about everything. And so I am actively seeking mentors, advisors, people that can help me in their life. And now people that I can help, it's, it's crazy. Now I'm able... Yeah, you know, some of the most successful people I've met, I've been able to bring value into their world as well. And that is super rewarding to me. Um, and so like, I, and I'm super intentional about this. I was just updating this morning because I haven't been great about using it for the last half of the year, but I was just updating. I, I have a list, I call my top 20 list, but really there's like 37 people on it right now. And it's some of the people that are um, either some of my top clients I top mentors, advisors, investors that I'm or partners that I'm in business with. So we've got 37 people on this list. And I have a, a kind of system where every quarter I make sure that at least once per quarter I have visited with them voice to voice, ideally face to face, but at least voice to voice once a quarter, that I have texted back and forth with them at least once a quarter, and that I've made some kind of comment or or dialogue back and forth with them if they're on social, on social media, right? So that I've got at least three touch points every quarter with these people. Um, as much as any, if, you know, some people, it's much more than that. I'm business partners with them. I see quite a bit. Uh, but others, you know, if I don't create intentionality in it, it might go six months before I talk to them because that's just how life shows up sometimes. So just a little way that I'm trying to create intentionality so that I don't let things slip through the cracks.
2: Do you have like your own personal CRM system that allows you to log these these touch points
0: yeah i have a crm that i've been using for oh god i don't know when i started using it let's call it 2000 probably 12 i started using this one maybe 11 and so i've been keeping up with it all since then
2: even with personal contacts i mean you mentioned your um, some clients of yours are are part of this top 37 list which was top 20 at one point yeah (laughs) i get it i mean like you know there are people that we text with every day and then you miss a couple days or it's kind of slides down your text list and that's not right there when you open the app anymore and next thing you know you know you get a message from out of the blue or you decide to send a message and you realize that the last time that you corresponded was eight months prior yeah it could have been somebody that you talk to all the time
0: sure that's easy to happen this little way is just one way that i'm yeah i attempt to not let that happen with the key relationships in my life
2: yeah well, you know, it sounds a lot, Rory. Like, the, like he's building a team, right? You know, we've talked about that a lot on this podcast with some mm-hmm. some past guests, uh, and and it seems to come up frequently that it's important to surround yourself with a team of people all with complementary experiences. What do you have to say about that, Rory?
3: You know, absolutely. Um, what you can offer. I mean, we have a lot of this mindset where in life, you know, we're the we're the vendor and the other people are the clients, and we provide services. But you know, as part of a community, a lot of these services and everything go around and you know we were talking also recently that in this world not just necessarily in the in the real estate industry it the currency is relationships if you can maintain good relationships and good honest relationships with a large number of people that's really the key to, to success in any field and in a variety of different relationships too including the mentor relationship
0: okay i'll give you a great example back when i worked in the insurance and investment business um i worked for two of the smartest people that i had ever met just brilliant minds or two brothers and one of them always referred to his his clients as friends and again i'm I'm in my early 20s back then maybe 22 23 and Mm -hmm. he's like oh yeah this guy's my friend and this guy's my friend and i'm sitting there thinking you know, my naivete, I'm like, yeah, you're just making money out these guys. You're calling them your friends. And I didn't see that as reality. And now what's happened, my clients have become some of my very, very best friends. Some have become business partners. Some have become adventure racing friends with me. Just what happens it's, it's that relationship starts maybe from a business relationship and it evolves. Mm-hmm. You find similarities. You find things that, you know, family uh, ways to kind of, you find alignments in different parts of the world and uh, or different parts of your life. And for me, next thing you know, it's like we've been friends for a decade. That you, Just relationships, it, it all comes mm-hmm. down to that. And that's what makes, in my world, that's what makes business fun because I'm doing business with people I really enjoy being around.
2: If you could um can go into some of the business that has, uh, has has really driven your success of late and then we could talk more about the why you know we kind of led this episode off with saying uh you know why we do all this in the first place like you know we don't just podcast uh for the sake of it you're not sitting in an office um you know just because you want to spend your entire day there uh you know we're doing this for freedom in our lives and you know to uh, to feed our families, but also to, you know, to be able to wisely use our time. Uh, take us through, you know, some of the big entrepreneurial stuff that you're doing right now. And then I'd love to hear how it's going to allow you to springboard into kind of a new adventure this year.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's very timely that we're having this discussion. I'll get to how that, that time works out. Um, you know, so the real estate business, I got into that in 2002 in commercial real estate. And then I mentioned kind of led into joining up with KW in 2009 as you know, 2008, 2009 was not an ideal time to be in the the real estate business. It was the kind of financial crisis meltdown that really hit what, July 2008 in the in the commercial world. And so we were kind of coming out of that. And prior to that, I was primarily a land broker. I was mostly doing buy side, land acquisition deals for residential developers is what I did a whole lot of work. That market just dried up and died. That was gone for several years. And Uh, So I evolved and I hired my first business coach who kind of convinced me, said, Ken, you've got great relationships. You do a pretty good number of transactions per year, but your deals are small and you need to focus on bigger deals and deals that have a higher buyer pool, if you will. Like if you're going to go sell a piece of land there's a real small buyer pool for that piece of land. You are in a particular city, in a particular county, particular location, there's always so many people out there. So ended up moving into triple net business. So mostly in single tenant triple net and got into that business. And over the course of three or four years, we scaled up the the largest, most successful triple net investment team in the kind of KW ecosphere. And there was a huge buyer pool for that. You got a nationwide, if not international buyer pool for that kind of stuff. So the, the volume was much, much greater right there. And then that led to other opportunities opening up. So I started having more success there, becoming a franchise owner for Keller Williams. So I opened up uh, a franchise of Keller Williams in Abilene, Texas. And then that has expanded. We've kind of expanded from there into a couple other West Texas markets in Brownwood and San Angelo, Texas. And then a few years ago, back up around those same times, I started investing in commercial real estate on my own as well. So um, that's where these streams of income and how that started investing in, you know, office buildings and retail shopping centers and other and then in other people's projects as well, because there's only so much bandwidth any of us had to do all of our own stuff. So I was investing since I was running these other businesses, also investing in other people's deals. And then um, uh, we opened up three years ago, a little over two years ago, we opened, we started pursuing the business about three years ago into the laundromat business, which actually was a solution to a real estate problem. That's how we got into that business. We can dive in deeper if you want later. Um, but I got in the laundromat business with two other partners and opened our first laundromat. It's called Laundry Love LUV. Opened that up in um, September 2019. So perfect timing, just a few months before the great COVID storm came down. <laughs> and uh, we opened ours, we wanted to do something very different with Laundry Love. We opened, we wanted them to be a mission based thing. We, we didn't want just a We certainly want to be a for-profit business, but it didn't want to be just for-profit. We wanted this to be bigger than who we were. So with Laundry Love, we have a dedicated children's play area in our laundromats. We have a children's literacy area. We partnered with the uh, Laundry Literacy Foundation and bring in books every month for kids. We learned that in the impoverished neighborhoods where laundromats are often located, there's a stat that says only one in 300 households has a book for their children. those houses and i couldn't believe that so the literacy foundation to narrow that gap right there and we're helping with that we bring in books every month we give them away to kids that come in we have uh, tvs up in our um, facilities that only show positive programming so we'll put on diy any of the discovery nova kind of learning kind of channels right there or disney channel for the kids Mm -hmm. and uh it's only positive so no daytime tv no news no Reality shows, no junk, like no mind poison that I call it right there. So, none of that junk in there. It's just the positive programming for our folks. And then we also, our team, our staff members there have started doing some kind of community give back every single month. So, now every month we've got something for when it's back to school. We, uh, what, August time, I guess, going back to school, we donated 150. Backpacks filled with school supplies for the for the kids to come. So gave away those over Thanksgiving. We gave away turkey dinners to to a bunch of folks. Um, Christmas we had you know kind of Santa Claus in, kind of giving away gifts in the store. So I mean, we're doing something every single month as, as a way to give back. So Laundry Love is is one of the businesses, and around the same time we're doing Laundry Love, we created Legacy Journal, the the app we mobile app we created, and that is for parents. It's a it's a digital home for parents to kind of capture and document the journeys they share with their, their children and their family. So it's a way to capture moments, memories, lessons, little things you want to pass down to your children. You can annotate everything with audio, video. Uh, you can like record your own voice in there. Uh, lots of photos. It'll create a digital timeline of your child's life just from adding a handful of entries as you go in there. And it's been a really beautiful thing. And that was more than anything. It was a solution to my own problem because I had been journaling... my children since my daughter, who's now a freshman in college, she was 10 months old when I started journaling to her. And then when her brother was born, I'd started journaling to him when he was still in the womb. And now I've got a six-year-old, I've been journaling to him since he was still in the womb. So um, that process led to me eventually creating that app because there's nothing out there to do what we kind of wanted it to do as far as saving all the different types of media format and creating it in a digital format where you can kind of export it and save it and pass it down for generations. So. Those are the the businesses that we primarily we're primarily in right there. Um, we've also got an interest in a coaching company and interest in a in a mortgage company and um, you know, life stays busy.
3: I like you've done. You did what we we're supposed to do when you start a business. I know the advice is always to look around into the community and see an actual problem that needs to be solved, and then build a business around that instead of just starting from the point of, you know, how do I need to make money? So how do I make money? And then building a business around that. And ideally, if you follow that first. You know, It's easier said than done to follow that advice, but that's advice that I've read and seen all, in every business book there can be. But I think The Laundry Love sounds like it's a great example of that. You take a look and see what the community needs, build the infrastructure and the business around that, and then profits will come. But you're addressing what the community needs, not just what you needed. And you went out and built a laundromat because you thought that was the easiest thing.
0: Yeah, uh, people approach me a lot about the laundromat business. I've been on a handful of podcasts, and they ask, "Hey, what?" And we studied that industry for a full year before <laughs> we actually launched and got into it. We were, uh, we went to conferences, we went to different vendors, we talked to, we called a dozen different operators that were running laundromats, and we were kind of figuring out what's working, what's not. Uh, what would you do differently? We talked to a handful of people that were in it that got out of it. And uh, we really did a lot of homework before we 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 dove into that. And then when we did dive into it, I think we did it right. There were three of us with kind of different backgrounds, different parts of the world. And actually, we hired a designer to come in and kind of design our place with color palettes and everything. It's a, when you go to our laundromat, when people come in, they're like, oh my goodness, this is the nicest laundromat I've ever been in. And they feel at home. Uh, operating partner is incredible. About teaching our our staff members to you know, welcome the people that come in to welcome. Often you know they're not welcomed when they come into place. They're yeah. they're kind of you know scoffed at or stepped on. And and uh, when you come into Laundry Love, you're welcome. You're helped. We're carrying your laundry. We're helping you in and out with things, and uh, you're treated like you know a respectful human being. So yeah. it's been really rewarding to hear the stories that kind of keep coming. We've, we've been featured in some uh, you know, news articles, and even on TV for some things that our, our staff members have done. It's been pretty impressive.
2: It shows the humanity behind the business, you know, and in a lot of real estate businesses, you know, we're dealing with tenants. Right. Uh, and infrequently, people that are tenants are paying the owner's mortgage they 're a long term tenant in, in most situations, unless yeah. you own it outright in the laundry world. I imagine the demographics are you know kind of on the lower side in terms of income, you know, but it certainly doesn't mean that they should be on the lower side of of treating people with dignity and respect, and I think the good landlords are the ones that also uh, treat tenants well, treat them like they'd want to be treated, uh, you know put the humanity into the business. And as you've described, you know, your business, like, I've, I've not seen, we've been fortunate enough that we have laundry in, you know, where we've lived for, for quite some time, but not everyone yeah. has that, you know, identified a need in a community where people need to go somewhere and do laundry. And laundry is such a, it's such a personal thing, right? You're washing your clothing. Like this is yep. what you wear, right? So there should be a element of humanity to it.
0: Yeah, for so, sure. And was, here, so here's the cool thing, because you just mentioned, um, <laughs> that we're just now really starting to tap into on this other side. So you're exactly correct. Where, where the physical locations are is typically, you know, lower income neighborhoods right there. But our stores are, you know, large format stores. We can produce a lot of volume at these stores. And so one of the things we're also getting into is two other lines of business within that. And one is commercial. Think of there's all kinds of businesses that have some type of laundry needs. So one of some of our first commercial accounts were like massage studios. So we go pick up their their sheets and towels and kind of wash those, dry and fold them, bring them back to them right there. And now it's branching into a pickup and delivery wash, dry, fold service for just busy entrepreneurs, busy business owners, people that are out there. Yes you I know, say, hey, look, I'd rather not spend six hours this weekend doing laundry. I'd rather, you know, just have someone come pick it up, do it for me, deliver it back a day later. It's all clean, washed. The, frankly, the most challenging part in do I, my wife's been out of town. I was doing laundry all weekend this weekend. And the, the toughest part on that is just folding the dadgum clothes. I don't mind putting it in or taking it out, but folding all the clothes. And so if I can have someone do all that for me and drop it off at my door, even better. So that's a, a whole other market to, to start getting into there.
2: Identified like, you know, another income stream from another income level, you know, people that actually have the money to spend to have somebody do their laundry for them. And, yeah. you know, I, I know that when I started sending my shirts out to get laundered, this one actually I washed here, but you know, most uh, dress shirts and everything, I don't know, I made the decision many years ago. I'm like, it's just, it's not worth my time to, you know, launder it and then iron it. Like, yeah. you know, I'll pay somebody a couple bucks to do it every time. And it, it's a savings of time and then time is super valuable for all of us. So for sure, that makes sense. I was going to ask you something and I'm worried as a question, but I, you know, let me, let me throw a legal question in here since we are talking real estate law, you know, what are, for people who are listening to this saying, I need to get into the uh, laundry business or business like that. What are some particular legal things that you encountered along the way? Some maybe that you expected and and maybe one or two that you didn't.
0: Let's see. There's always little issues like trademark, if I were gonna re- do any business, whether it's laundromat or any business right now, and I've made this mistake in a couple of things. You know, one is, is domain name, looking, can, can I go get the donate, domain name set up here? But domain name does not equal trademark. That's for dadgum sure right there. So then mm-hmm. it's, it's looking up, you know, trademark, service mark, doing some homework up front. spend a little bit of money up front to make sure that you don't go, have to spend a lot more money down the road to try to go solve a problem like that. I think that's one of the, the biggest right there. And then entity formation, kind of really looking at what type of of entity you want to set up. I I just, Legacy Journal, we originally set up as a a Delaware LLC. And then, you know, two years later, converted to a Delaware C-Corp. It's just a whole other load of money and time and effort to go convert to a C-Corp because that's the way that I learned that if you have these tech businesses that one day have an exit, most investors want a Delaware C-Corp right there. So uh, legal structure is another really important one. And then, you know, like with any LLC, Let's, typically what I use for almost everything except for this this other thing this is an LC doc is you know, having your operating agreements squared away with what you can and can't do, your authority to act on behalf of the entity, your, your buyout rights in the event that you have a partner that maybe you've got a disagreement with and things aren't going well with. I think that little things like that are really important to address up front in, in your docs. That's a great
3: point, um, and that applies to almost any endeavor to make sure that you're you're on the same page with your co-investors. And I, I do have to ask, as the real estate law podcast, the, the laundromat business—do you see that as a real estate investment or as a business?
0: Yes, like I mentioned, it was originally a a uh, solution to a real estate problem, and what I meant by that was we were buying a shopping center. So we, me, and one of my two partners in the laundromat were. Uh, purchasing a shopping center in, in the center. It was roughly 50,000 feet and it had about 16, 18,000 square feet of vacancy in the center. And we're trying to figure okay, what do we do? We're, we're calling on different tenants and thinking, what can we do to backfill that vacancy? Who is an ideal tenant for it? And ran into a laundromat group at a, at a conference. I got a lot of, I used to go to a lot of real estate conferences ran into this laundromat group and pitched the center to him and he said, look, send me the details, we'll take a look at it. So I did and a couple weeks later he got back to me and said, Ken, you've got the perfect location for a laundromat. I said, your I mean, demographics are ideal for this, traffic counts are great, you really do have a great location. Uh, we'd come to find out, he was not an operator, he, was, uh, he worked for an equipment manufacturer right there. He said, so you've got to get an operator out there and they tried to find an operator and they just didn't have anyone for that market. It was a, you know, it's a town of about 120,000 people right there and they just didn't have anyone in that market and So after a little bit of time, I started talking to my partner in the real estate business. What if we explored this as being the operator and, you know, would that work? And so we started looking into the business and then he and I, probably the best thing that we ever did was we did a reality check and said, look, you and I are both really, really great about vision and starting things. Neither one of us really great about operations and running things. And so we uh, went to find an operating partner. There was a Guy that I had wanted to be in business with for a long time that I I knew from the KW Ecosphere used to run a bunch of the divisions there and went to him and talked to him about this opportunity and uh, like I said the three of us then explored the industry for about a year explored each other as partners how would we work together and and uh, now it's been. What almost three years in running, and now this year we'll be open with our second laundromat here in the next two or three weeks. Our third starts construction in about a week, and our fourth and fifth we're negotiating on the real estate right now. So we will own the real estate wherever we can. We will own the real mm-hmm. estate, and then we will lease the real estate to our laundromat operation. So and Great. it's generally, you know, it's not all the same kind of ownership structure in the deal in the real estate. We may have different partners, and the then we have in the laundromat right there. But it, but it is a yeah, a win for both of us on the operation side and on the real estate side.
3: Thank you. Um, that's a. I'm glad you answered that. But you know, you you have all these different income streams, these different businesses that you built up. That just seems really hard. Why don't you just go get a 40 hour a week job instead? Uh, maybe get some health insurance and a 401k. Why don't you just do that instead?
0: Well, to me, that seems really hard. <laughs> Then I'm working for someone else on their time schedule under their thumb uh, with, with what I'm supposed to be there. And I just don't do well that way. I do really well um, kind of mapping out and being the captain of my own future. And it is hard. I mean, it takes work, but you know, what's I think really hard is being broke and I've been broke and it sucks. <laughs> it's really hard, you know, just to be flat out broke and not be able to live the life you want to live and why I'm doing this. And you know, busting my tail to, to put everything in order here is so that, you know, I can do what I want with who I want relatively when I want and enjoy the life that, that I really see for my future. And those things are coming into play now. Like I've, this is, this doesn't happen overnight. We'll reverse to 2012. In 2012, I got engaged uh, to my wife. Now I've gotten divorced in 2009, got engaged in 2012 and we kind of took inventory of our assets or lack of assets, I guess when we were engaged, and uh, what we realized is, and we were living in an apartment at the time. Okay, so didn't have a house, and we had combined three hundred and fifty thousand dollars of debt between the two of us. And how we discovered that is, someone recommended uh, Dave Ramsey's Total Money Make- Makeover book as as a book for my children, and I started reading. And like, oh, this is a great way to teach your children about money, and I started reading the book, and I'm like. I need to read this book, not my kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Amber and I read that together in two years from 2012 Mm -hmm. to 2014, we paid off $352,000 of debt. And so my journey to now having multiple streams of income, multiple businesses um, and assets that we continue to kind of pour into is, is really been from 2014 to now. So what is that a seven and a half year journey, just eight years. Mm -hmm it's an amazing thing what you can accomplish in a relatively short period of time with, you know, focused effort and energy. Yeah.
2: Do you, you look at some of where you are right now and and say, boy, I wish I knew this 20 years ago. And, you know, do you feel like you've lost time because a lot of this you've discovered over the past seven, eight years, or do you think that the evolution of your life and career has led to this point that you needed to go through all those other things to make it to where you are now?
0: Yeah, I I try not to live life with regret or wish I would've in in anything right there and to your latter point right there, if, had I not gone through the certain path, it might not be here today. You know, I, I can point to at least three different paths that I could have taken that I may have been five x or ten x further right now had I taken those paths right there. But you know, I'm I so happy with the place I am I'm at right now that um, it's the right path for
2: me. Yeah. And that kind of leads into like, you know, why we're doing this all in the first place. I mean, obviously if you had to make an inflection a few years ago and pay down all that debt, that's an obvious why, you know, you want to be out of the apartment, you want to be out of debt. Um, You know, but where, where has this uh, success in your, you know, many endeavors, where has that led? Like what opportunity do you have right now that you don't think you would have had otherwise?
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Just right now, twenty twenty two is the culmination of a lot of years of of planning, working. You know, shared goal setting with my wife, with my family, working our tails off to get there. So, um, first and foremost, the why behind what I do is is to be a great example for for my family, for my wife, for my children, and and frankly for others who might be looking at what I'm doing that I don't even know that they're watching me. I've just realized over time that there are those people out there that we make an impact on that you never have any idea that you've made an, or you may never have any idea you've made an impact on them. And that impact can be a really positive impact. It can be a really negative impact. And so I'm trying to be as positive of an impact I can, first to my family, and then second to to any others that are out there. Um, But with my family, we've been planning we used to have a family ranch um, owned by a big family partnership and there were like 17 (coughs) different partners in it. And we sold that maybe eight, nine years ago. And that was one of the saddest days for me when we sold that. We'd only owned it for maybe eight or 10 years. So it wasn't wasn't like a long, it wasn't in the family for generations or anything. We owned it for a a short period of time, but it was my first exposure and uh, into the, the ranch life and the recreational, just hunting, fishing enjoying nature and connecting out there. And I loved it. My my kids were kind of raised out there for a bunch of years and we were out there all the time. And so we sold that. I was very sad. And since that day, I've been kind of you know, focused on one day buying our own family ranch and uh, just Friday. So as, as this is recorded four oh. days ago, three days ago, we closed on a 300 acre ranch with, uh, with another family, uh, of ours. We kind of went in together or family, a friend of ours. And, um, we now own 300 acres in, in Texas and just beautiful land, rolling Hills, lots of deer and Turkey and wildlife out there. And there's a pond. We're going to build a bigger pond. And, uh, it's just going to be a, bay, a place to relax, to commune with nature, to connect. And, uh, you know, get to enjoy more of what I really love. And at the same time, so I've been planning a one-year RV trip. And I've been planning this since 2015. In 2015, when Amber was pregnant with our six-year-old now, so she was pregnant with him, uh, we took the older kids and, uh, and the dog and me and Amber, and we went to, uh, on a national park tour. We went to Rocky Mountain National Park. In Colorado, Then we headed up to Cheyenne, Wyoming. We got the Cheyenne Rodeo. And then we went up to uh, Moran, Wyoming, and we went to Grand Teton National Park and Yellowstone National Park. And it was life-changing for me to be Mm -hmm. up there with that much life, that much wilderness, that just, it was amazing. We took hikes every day and just explored, saw more wildlife than I've ever seen. And I was like, all right, this, I need more of this. And so we've been planning since that time to. One day, purchase an RV and do a one-year tour, just hitting national parks and going and seeing beautiful parts of America. And so, we actually pick up the RV in two weeks, and the plan was to start that tour in August. But now that we have a ranch, <laughs> we're pivoting the, the we're pivoting the plans a little bit. We're still going to definitely be taking the RV out on lots of, of of tours and trips and going and seeing people in national parks around. But we're also going to be coming back so that we can okay. spend time at, at our ranch and, and just enjoy that as well. So it's mm-hmm. So the answer on why do you do it, this, it, it's the freedom to go and do the things that we want to do, to see the people we want to spend time with, to, to foster friendships. And, and, and that, like now we've set up our world where we can do most of this, as long as we've got a computer and a phone, we can handle most of this business on the road. So um, that's kind of a, another answer to why we endure the complexity. And it is complexity. So don't get me wrong. It, it mm-hmm. is, there is complexity mm-hmm. to it. There is stress to it. There's all that stuff, but it's also, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Well, congratulations on
3: realizing a lot of the why um, this year. And I hope that, you know, I, I just hope that you enjoy every minute of, it, minute of it this year. I
0: promise you we will. Thank you.
2: You know, you know uh, hearing this also, uh, you know, we're here in Boston and real estate is a precious commodity. I mean, everywhere it is, but, yeah. you know, postage stamp real estate here is kind of the world we live in. So 300 acres seems unfathomable (laughs) to a lot of the city dwellers like us and people that are listening to this podcast, but I just couldn't even imagine where to start, you know, with 300 acres.
0: Well, come on out and I'll show you around. You can imagine it then.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So the RV tour, like what, where's the kind of the, where are the far reaches of that? Are you planning to come up our way into new England or into the Pacific Northwest or what's.
0: what's So actually the the first place, on our list was uh arcadia so oh, to kind of come up and, and hit that area up, up there. there and then uh we're gonna plan on doing so Grace, my daughter, is now going to Auburn, and so she's in the Southeast Mm -hmm. Conference. So Mm -hmm. we're also gonna do a little Southeast Conference football tour this year, which was not on the original plan years ago, uh but now that we've really enjoyed some Southeast Conference football games, so we're gonna try to go to the away game Auburn, to to the other cool stadiums with the real riled up rivalries there, and go check some of that out. And uh, yeah, then certainly Utah, Arizona, we're gonna be hitting some of the big parks out there, and, and eventually out to California, then Montana, Uh, actually Bill Bundance is I think doing a family event in Montana this summer. So we're gonna uh, uh, probably make that event. And while we're up there, maybe go up and see Glacier National Park as well. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so it'll take us all over this trip.
2: Yeah, I mean, talk talk about the, why do we do any of this stuff? You know, you're investing in in commercial real estate, working with Keller Williams, you know, you're working with, uh, you know, your chain of laundry, uh, laundry locations, laundry love. Legacy app, everything. I mean, this is this is what it leads into. It leads into you know a journey like this, which will be memorable for you and for your family. Mm-hmm. May we recommend not going to Acadia in February because it'll probably it, be cold.
0: That but, trip was going to start. Yes, it was going to start in um like end of August timeframe. So or mid 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 to yeah, late August timeframe.
2: That's pretty much when you want to be. I mean, Maine is amazing. It's you know it's vacation land. I mean, like literally, that's the the nickname, right, Rory? Vacation land.
3: And they're old license oh, but Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did it. We've done a couple road trips ourselves, but like we did a road trip up into um, Atlantic, Canada many years ago. Oh, yeah. And, and Rory made me camp, like actually camp, like on the ground. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of that, but uh, we did that a couple places. Didn't we do that outside Acadia?
3: Uh, we, we stopped into Acadia on the way up there, and then um, I made you camp for the first time in a tent in Fundy National Park in Canada with beautiful outlooks over the cliff, over the ocean, and I just don't think you're impressed because you had to sleep on the, on the ground. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and la- we rented an Airstream last year, or the year before. We did like a trip through upstate New York, and I'm from New York originally. i would never been to any of these places like Lake Placid or the Finger Lakes or the Thousand Islands area. I don't yeah. know if you ever check out upstate new york i mean there's just it's just so gorgeous and we went in the fall it was the perfect time i mean for leaf peeping the colors Mm. everywhere you looked it was a different color it couldn't have been the better time to go and yeah i mean like i i enjoyed it and i got a bit of a taste of rv life and it is a culture you know of people and actually we we rented a airstream from nice. a family upstate New York. And then we had some other comments from other Airstreamers, you know, came up to us and talked to us because they thought that we owned it. And we're like, no, no, no we did it somewhere. Like, <laughs> That's a whole
0: cult in itself, the whole Airstream that, thing.
2: T- talk about a c- Absolutely cult. Yeah. yeah. We did it with a, how old was Cecily? A year and a half? Yeah, tough. 18 month old. Yeah, that was tough. That was that was tough. I don't know if I'd recommend doing it with an 18 month old, but you know, we'll we'll put it back on our list when she's a little bit older.
0: Yeah. Our little guy will be six turning seven. So he's gonna be the ideal age mm-hmm. for that kind of yeah. stuff. He did the yeah, junior I mean, ranger uh stuff at the national parks, it'll be great.
2: Yeah, and you know, we we learned a lot about campsites. I mean, like it's definitely the type of the type of world that if you're into it, you are in. You are all in on it. So yeah. you know, we 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 hope that journey is great. So, Rory, like, do you have any uh, final questions for Ken before we get into the uh, the final questions that we have for him? He, we, there's so many directions we could have taken this conversation, but I'm glad we focused a lot on the why.
3: No, I have a lot of internal questions for myself about um, you know, what I would do um, if I, you know, and how I would enjoy everything, I, actually, and that's worth a reflection on, on my own privately. So I have more yeah. questions for myself than I do for Ken now. but. I don't know. Do you want to take it to the, the final questions? Yeah,
2: absolutely. And I, I'd say, you know, a lesson that I'm taking also from this is, is to reflect. I mean, like Ken, you've talked about um, journaling. We should actually mention um, the legacy app. You talked about that. That's available in the um, app store. Yeah. App Google
0: store play and Ultimate. Google play store. It's, it's legacy journal is what it's called. Legacy journal app. And, and if you want to learn about it, you can go to our website, which is legacyjournal.app.
2: Okay. Thank you. If you're into memorializing, which, which we are, we just do it a little bit differently, you know, from you. Like, I'm, Rory can attest, I'm the photographer. You know, I'm the one that has all the photos and the videos of everything. And you, know, you ask me for a photo, and I know exactly when I took it and where it was, you know, because of the great tools that Apple supplies with their maps and geolocation and whatnot. But, you know, that's, that's kind of our version of it. But, you know, we'll, we'll check out the app also because, I mean, you're, you're reflecting a lot. You've been journaling for your whole life you know, for your, your kids, you know, you mentioned that you did it for yeah you know, your, your youngest, uh, you know,
1: when
0: he was in the womb. Let and me make an, an offer for anyone listening and I, I'm going to drop this in the chat. You can put it in the show notes, but uh, anyone that wants to, uh, I'll put a link in here for it's a freemium app. So it's free to use. We've got a premium version of it as well, but uh, anyone that wants the free 60 day premium plan, uh, just follow this link and then kind of fill out the form and just put that they heard about us on your podcast and uh, our, our team will send them a, uh, a link for free 60 day premium.
2: Awesome. Yes. Wow. What a great offer for, yeah. for people still listening 40 something minutes into the podcast. Like here's a freebie. <laughs> yeah. Here's your bonus days. for listening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll take that. We'll take that link and, uh, and share that in the show notes. Awesome. So, yes, I was just going to say before we get to the final questions, like, you know, again, that a lot of what you've done has led into your, your why, you know, a lot of your reflection. I don't think we take enough time to reflect. Rory just mentioned that he needs a little bit of reflection time right now. Um, You know, he and I talk a little bit about this and, uh, you know, I kind of give a peek into like where I see things two, five, 10 years from now for me, but Um, You know, not enough that we're actually stopping down and saying, here's why I want to do this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think it's important if you're listening to this podcast right now to remember why we're doing it. Like, you know, why are you building up your real estate portfolio? Why are you going down this entrepreneurial journey? You know, if it's your own ego, that's great. But if it's, you know, something bigger. Well, Ken, let's, uh, let's chat about the last three questions that we ask of all our guests, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll mention where people can find you yeah. after we get through these questions. The first question, really curious to hear your answer to this because there's so many things you could talk about, but if you could go on stage uh, unprepared for 30 minutes and just start talking about any subject in the world without, you know, having done any notes or, you know, anything beforehand, what would that be?
0: 100 percent easiest thing and the thing I'm most passionate talking about is, is what is documenting your family history, taking the time to write down the lessons you want to pass on to your children to I've had so many people that I know that have you know they're, that I know or know of that the lives have been cut short and that their children and family members are left with, with just the memories and for those that you know, take a little bit of time to okay, give the example. If you're diagnosed with cancer and you've got six months to live, it's almost the greatest gift you could ever be given, right? Because you've got six months to prepare. You're going to write the letter to your daughter when at her wedding, you're going to write the graduation letters. You're going to take the time and you're going to prepare for that. But none of us, most of us, aren't given that gift of knowing with a six-month timeline. So for any of us to take the time and just write down the things as they're happening, write down the good, the bad, the the happy, the sad, just write down a few things. It don't have to be every single thing. If you, if you do everything, it means nothing. But if you write down a few of the the moment's right there. It will be the most cherished thing your family will ever have upon you know, when, when you're gone. So I could talk about that for days, actually. So that would be my, my I guess, uh, my, my talk to get up on stage.
2: Did you drop a, an Al Green quote in there also?
0: <laughs> I don't know.
2: good <laughs> or bad, happy or sad? Let's stay together.
0: <laughs> Maybe I did. <laughs> yeah, love it.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Classic soul. Number two, what, tell us something that happened early on in your life or career that impacts the way that you're working today.
0: I mentioned that I filed bankruptcy in the first entrepreneurial journey I had, and that was a yeah, it was a traumatic experience to go through that. We had let down our families, let down you know bankers, partners, vendors, employees, suppliers. It was it was rough, and so debt a lot more conservatively. And I've just uh, I've involved partners in business, I've involved mentors, I've involved consultants, and that sat with me, and it still sits with me today. So I think that was a big deal.
2: Do you think that you take that to some of the people that are searching for advice now? I mean, now that you're on both sides of the coin, you still have mentors, but there's probably people that you're mentoring. Like, is that a lesson that you? That
0: you well, yeah. And someone asked the me the problem. other day, someone who had also filed bankruptcy. Folks, another we we're talking, and uh, the the other answer is you, know, you think you hear that bankruptcy stays with you for seven years? It stays with you a lot longer than that. I'm telling you. So. Um, if you can, and there are ways to avoid it, ways to work things out. It felt to me like I was in a black hole at the time. So we did it and pulled the trigger. You know, I tell people today, if you can avoid it, avoid it. Sometimes it's absolutely necessary. But if you can avoid it and do a workout, do some other things, there, there's ways to do it. So, you know, just because uh, your, you know, your friends tell you that's the way out doesn't always mean that that's the way out.
2: Great. Thank you. And third question we have, what are you listening to or reading or watching these days? could be anything.
0: Listening to uh, one of the podcasts I listen to real frequently right now. And frankly, I don't watch the news. So the way I get a lot of the news is uh, the All In podcast. Mm-hmm. Shamath Hepatia, David Sachs, David Freeberg, and, and Jason Calcanis. Those guys are all quite smart. And uh, I listen to them, get a lot of news updates from them. Reading, or I guess watching... Yellowstone in 1883. I've become a crack addict with those shows right there.
2: I'm not surprised by that based on where your trip is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so
0: those have been great. And yeah. then uh, reading, I'll give you one of my absolute favorite books. And then I'm gonna give you a book that uh, I think Rory needs. Um, absolute favorite, Kelly Flanagan, mm-hmm. Lovable. This book uh, speaks to my soul. It'll make you tear up. It'll make you cry. It'll make you realize um, that you're worthy no matter what. Okay, so really, really great book. And then another, give me two seconds, Rory, and I've got one for you. All right.
2: Lovable. I haven't... Rory, have you heard of that? I have not. I have not heard of it, yeah. Nothing like a good tearjerker. It'll be a good beach reading book, you know, for people that are listening to this, looking for the next thing
0: with some sunglasses. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have too many bookshelves. So (laughs) the other one is this. It's called The Dream Machine machine by Dane Espegard. Okay. This very much gets to what we're talking about to kind of planning out what are the things that are important to your future that you really want to do and mapping it out uh, with the dreams that you have, that your wife has, that your, your children have, and kind of mapping that out. And that's kind of the why for what you're doing, things going forward. Why? So that I can go accomplish these dreams that I have, that I want to do, whether it's places to visit, People to see experiences to experience in your life. So uh, those are a couple that I'd recommend right now. Thank you. I just put that in my cart and my
3: other screen right here. So thank you. Awesome. Already.
2: Well, Ken, we really appreciate your time today. Uh, thank you so much for appearing on the podcast. You know, I one other thing I should mention. You know, Keller Williams and Ken Wimberly also share uh, initials. Maybe that's why you joined Keller Williams so many years ago. It could have been destiny.
0: Something special about the KW.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, Ken, where, where's the easiest place people can find you uh, if they want to reach out to you and say hi or learn more about you and your journey and your work?
0: 100%. Uh, so, our two websites first, uh, legacyoflove.app. And, I'm sorry, legacyjournal.app. Legacy of Love will take you there. Legacyjournal.app and laundrylove, L-U-V, laundrylove.com. So, you kind of learn about our, our two primary businesses and missions that we have right there. Uh, I am on Facebook instagram linkedin uh, facebook probably is the most frequent that i use and i don't use it super frequently but i'm on there at least a couple times a week and um and then like if someone wanted to just get in touch with me directly you feel free to email me ken at legacyoflove.app so legacy of love is our corporate name so legacyoflove.app
2: and rory what if people want to reach out to you how do they find you
3: um, easy to find. Uh, take a look for me at Next Home Title Town, NextHomeTitleTown dot or Urban Village Legal, UrbanVillageLegal dot com.
2: All right. So many lessons, Ken. Thank you so much for taking some time and spending it with us here at the Real Estate Law Podcast. I'm sure we could talk forever. We'll have to have you back uh, to hear about your journey. So uh, maybe you'll be able to. If I'm, I actually, I'm following you already on social media, so I'm hoping you put a lot of posts. Uh, at least up on Instagram, you know, because
0: we use- I'm going to give your audience the Instagram that, that doesn't yet exist. It's, we have the Traveling Wimberleys, uh, uh, at the Traveling Wimberleys, W-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y-S. W-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y-S. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be our Instagram travel. Uh, so we're going we're, we're to start posting. Uh, as soon as I get a couple dozen pictures, I'll, I'll start yeah. that account and start opening the account. I think it's private right now, but that's going to be our account where we host all of our travels and show everything there.
2: And next thing you know, you're going to have thousands of followers become Instagram influencers, and it'll be your 16th revenue stream.
0: And and there it is.
2: (laughs) Uh, Well, thanks again, Ken, and thank you for listening to, uh, to this episode. We really appreciate it. And if you've enjoyed the episode, we'd love it if you could leave a comment for us or thumbs up those go really far or a uh, a like or a subscribe or any way that you can engage with the podcast and so more people could hear it. So uh, on behalf of everyone on the podcast, uh, I'm Jason Muth and thank you so much for listening.
1: This has been the real estate law podcast because real estate is more than just pretty pictures and law goes well beyond the paperwork and courtroom arguments. We're powered by next home title town greater Boston's progressive real estate brokerage. More at nexthometitletown.com. And Urban Village Legal, Massachusetts Real Estate Council, serving savvy property owners, lenders, and investors. More at urbanvillagelegal.com. Today's conversation was not legal advice, but we hope you found it entertaining and informative. Discover more at realestatelawpodcast.com. Thank you for listening.